0: Um, we, oh wow, we have to, we had to turn people away at the door today. Um, I don't really know what's going on, but, uh, I wasn't supposed to tell you this till next week, but I'll just, it seems appropriate right now, because we're starting a series on prayer, and, um, and this is something you guys can pray about. We, we we didn't expect to experience any growth this summer. We were hoping students would be away, (laughs) and we would shrink down to a size where, it was manageable around here, and that has not happened. So um, what we'll be doing starting, I think, the August 21st in like four weeks or something, um, a little bit more than four weeks, we'll be changing our service times to uh, um, 9 and 11. So, uh, yeah, like nine people are super stoked on that. Um, so, and the reason why we're changing service times to 9 and 11 is because uh, prayerfully, we are going to try to get ready to start a third service at 5 p.m. So um, we'll be starting that hopefully in the fall, like September-ish sometime. So that's a, a prayer request that we have as a church. We're, um, we are actually will be meeting at the end of August uh, to pray together as a church on a Wednesday night. That, na- that date will be announced soon. Um, and uh, when we meet together on a Wednesday night to pray, we're going to be praying for that third service. This is a, a more of a, a, a missional move for us. Um, we, we could have just tagged on another service and done three in a row, but uh, who wants to go to church at one? I have no idea. Um, no one, really. And so, um, and the 5 o'clock allows people that have to work in the morning or do something in the morning, they, do, they work restaurant or something at night, and they wake up super, super late to come to, um, to church on, on Sunday night. But we also have to pray because um, this neighborhood gets pretty crazy at night at times, and so... Um, so we have to, we have to pray um, just so we're ready and this neighborhood's ready, that sort of thing. I think it's this monitor, or it could be my mic. I dropped it right before I got up. I don't know. It could be something. I don't know. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. So those are the announcements that I wasn't supposed to announce. Did we fix it? I did. Oh, we did? You did? Great. Awesome. Awesome. I still hear it, but it's okay. Um, we start a new series today called On Earth as it is in heaven this was the crux of Jesus' model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 during the Sermon on the Mount he said um, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and everything else kind of revolves around that the way that we approach God in prayer and the way that we that we, that we pray um, is this God your will be done in my life on this earth in this city as it is in heaven may your will be done may it come in and so uh we're, we're going to start this series. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 5 through 15. And then I'm going to skip to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. So I'm going to read those two sections. And then, um, and then I'll, I'll pray. Matthew 6, verses, verse 5. And when you pray, Jesus says... But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? It's our text. Let's pray. God, this morning I I really don't want to, um, and we don't want to, I don't think anyone here really wants to be impressed by a man. I doubt that many people even expect that when they come into church. But we want to meet you, God. God. And Lord, I pray that you would you would speak to every single person that's gathered in this building right now, that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to them. You would speak to them how, Father, you long to meet with us in relationship, how you long for intimacy, how Christ, you came and you bled and you died for our sins, that you would bring us to God, that you would reconcile us to God, and that we would have a relationship with you, God. Thank you for doing that. And so I pray today that we would all experience that, Lord. I pray. Every soul, every heart in here, every doubting heart, every wounded heart, every healthy heart in here would experience the living God. We would know you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would use me today. I desperately need your help. And so I ask that you would anoint me, uh, my mouth, my mind, my heart, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I don't want to assume today, as we start this new series on prayer, I don't want to assume that everyone in here prays or knows how prayer works. Most everyone in this room or in this town say that they actually do pray. That's actually the the number one spiritual answer given by anyone if they're asked if they believe in God. Do you believe in God or do you go to church? And the answer is, well, yes, I pray. And everyone says that. Well, yeah, I, of course, I, of course I believe in God. I pray, don't I? I'm very spiritual. I pray a lot. But what if I ask you, what then is prayer? What is prayer? What is the purpose of prayer? And how does prayer even work? How does prayer work? Are you, as anyone allowed to pray? Are, are, is prayer reserved for certain people? Is there a certain way that we pray? Can we get prayer wrong? I mean, can you do the act of prayer wrongly? When I first started praying, well, actually, I, I prayed before I, I met Christ and I received and I believed in Christ by faith, but when I first started a prayer life, when I, when I started to pray, um, consistently praying, I remember, I, I, used to, I used to think that posture had a lot to do with prayer. I used to think if I take a knee in prayer, then it's way more potent, because that's what I did when I played football and baseball. Coach would always tell you to take a knee. So you're kind of there on one knee, listening to your coach. I'm like, well, that's probably how God works. So I remember at night, before I go to bed, I take a knee right by my bed and say my prayers. And then when my prayers weren't being answered in the, in the way that I wanted them to be answered or with the, the quickness I wanted them answered with, I'd go, okay, now I'm going to bow. I'm taking two knees. We're stepping up a little bit here. So I remember I would bow before God and go, God, would you do this? And would you do that? And help this person, help that person, and help me here and help me there. But then, when I took it up another notch, I used to cross myself. I'm like, okay, this is where it gets desperate. Here I go. In the name of. And I remember watching, hearing something. Of course, you know, I, I've been to mass a couple times, and you see it. You know, baseball players do it, and, um, and, and, and people on television do it. Like, when they get serious, like, okay, boom, 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 boom. That's, that's like signed, sealed, delivered. It's going to be answered. So I didn't just pray in the name of Jesus, but I, I covered the whole trinity, And the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So all of God got my prayer, and of course it's going to be answered now. And I used to think that if I did all of these things together, then God would hear my prayers. Some people incorporate prayer beads in their prayers, or incense when they pray, or special music, or prayer lists, or acronyms to pray through. I mean, we've tried it all. You've probably tried a million different ways to get a very active and good prayer life. All of us have. And when we think through this, is there even a right way to pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? Does posture play into how I pray? And what's the reason I pray? If God already knows what I need before I ask, that's what Jesus just said, then why, what is the point of prayer? Why do I even pray if God already knows? I'm like, God, cool. You know, I know, I know that You know. All right, all right, and then I'm out. And that's a quick prayer, right? Like you wake up in the morning, you know, I know. Okay, good. And then that's it, and I could go along with my day. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches, here in his famous Sermon on the Mount, what he does, he says, actually, there is indeed a very wrong way to pray. You can actually pray wrongly. There's a way to pray that misses the point of prayer entirely, a way to pray that makes it about you and not about whom you're praying to. However, Jesus doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't go, okay, you pray wrongly. You're such a hypocrite. You're such a Gentile, which, which meant you didn't know God. You pray like people who don't know who God is personally. He says that. He says, don't pray like this. This is how the Gentiles pray, those that do not know God, that are not other people of God. And don't pray like the hypocrites pray, the hyper-religious people that just pray to be heard. Don't pray like that. He actually says, he shows us a better way, pray like this. There is a right way to pray. A real and honest way to pray that knows who God is, knows our relationship with God. There is a way to pray, Jesus says here, where we are able to come before the living and personal God with our messy lives, with our requests, with our fears, and with our temptations, And this is what Jesus addresses here in what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's probably better understood as the Lord's model prayer or the disciples' prayer. But before Jesus gets into the model of how we are to pray, we'll look at that in the next several weeks. He speaks, how do we, how are we not to pray? What about the hypocrisy in prayer? How do we avoid being hypocrites when we actually approach God in prayer? And so what I want to look at today in this text is both the hypocrisy of prayer but also fold into that the intimacy in prayer. The hypocrisy of prayer and also the intimacy in prayer and how we avoid one and actually turn to the other. What you notice very, at the very beginning in verse five, when you first begin to read what Jesus says about the hypocrite, it doesn't sound that bad at all. Like, don't be like the hypocrite. And this is what Jesus says. And at first you're like, wait, that doesn't sound that bad. It says this, for they love to stand and pray don't be a hypocrite, who stands and prays. You're like, wait, that doesn't sound that bad. Standing and praying, what's the big deal? It's okay to stand and pray, and it is. Then he says this, in the synagogues and at the street corners. Well, that's okay too. I can pray on the street corner, and I can pray in church, but here's where it goes really wrong. The very next phrase, he says, so they may be seen by others. That's where prayer gets wrong. It's not that we pray, or that we stand when we pray, or kneel when we pray, or that we pray in church, or in street corners, or in our bedrooms. The problem with hypocrisy in prayer is when we say this, what Jesus says. they pray that they may be seen by others. This is the indictment against the hypocrite. It's not that they don't pray. They do pray. The the hypocrites, the, the Pharisees prayed probably way more than all of us combined. They pray a lot. But it's not prayer they love. It's not God they love through prayer. That's not the case here. It's actually they love the opportunity which public praying gives them to show off their spirituality. They love themselves. That's why they pray. I pray because I love me. I pray because I like when people look at me when I pray. I pray to be seen by other people. I'm spiritual so everybody knows, don't mess with that guy, don't mess with that girl, Think very highly of this person because they're spiritual and they talk to God and God can probably beat everybody else up or something. Look at this person. They're very, very spiritual. The hypocrites here love themselves. The problem with the hypocritical prayer is not what is being prayed. They have probably prayed really good things. It's how it's being prayed. It's not what, it's the how. How are you praying? Approach, when it comes to prayer, Jesus is saying here, is everything. Approach is everything. Jesus is saying here that the hypocritical prayer is completely, their hypocrisy is completely focused on the self. Their prayers, which is ironic because prayer is talking to God, their prayers are actually focused on them. It's all about them. When Jesus, what he says here is that the essential fault is that it is concentrating on itself, not on God as the object of prayer, not focused on God, not concentrating on God, but look, looks and is concerned all about the self. Now these these hypocrites, these uh, they were called Pharisees. This is a certain um, religious leader of the day who that was known as as a Pharisee, in Jewish tradition. There there were prescribed times of prayer where they would pray, sometimes three times a day, throughout the day. And when these prescribed times came up, when the alarm went off, these hypocrites, these Pharisees made sure that they were somewhere very public. They wanted to be somewhere very public, in a very packed church or packed synagogue or on a busy street corner, standing up so everyone can see them. And right when the prescribed time came, when the alarm went off, when the clock struck, they were there in the midst of everyone standing up and then beginning to shout very loud public prayers. And then they would, go, they would go on for days. They would pray and then keep praying and pray more and pray louder and on and on and on. And they only prayed to be seen by others. Now, I don't think we have this problem today. I don't think there are many of us who stand up in this church necessarily and offer long, eloquent prayers. Not even the pastors do that. I think our pastors, I think there's anything but eloquent prayers coming from up here. Most of our prayers are, oh God, please help. That's not really eloquent, okay? So when we get up here, we get, we, there, there's, this is not really what happens in our church. There's not someone who stands up in the middle and offers up this eloquent prayer or during worship stops the worship team and everyone just starts, this one person starts praying or all these other people start praying to be seen upon. This is not really what happens here. Now, just a note on practicality. There's probably fairly, uh, a lot, probably several people that are new here over the last year or so, and I really haven't mentioned this for quite some time, but this is why we dim the lights during worship. If you didn't know why we dim the lights during worship, um, to make it more theatrical or something, that's not why we do it, okay? <laughs> We're not trying to go theatrics here. We don't have fog machines or laser lights or anything like that. The reason why we dim the lights here is we don't want you to be distraction, distracted, nor do we want you to be a distraction. That's why we dim the lights. We dim the lights so you... Sense that you are in a prayer closet here. And that's what this, that Jesus is really talking about. When you get in your prayer closet, you close the door. You shut the door to distractions. You shut the door to things around you. I mean, you could be in a prayer closet in the church. You could be in a prayer closet on the corner. You don't, you, you, you'd shut the, the distractions in the world off around you, and you focus in on God. That's the, the reason. We had someone recently leave the church, that emailed and said they left because we put red lights in the ceiling. Like, they thought they were in hell or something. I don't know what they were thinking. But they, that's why they left. We're like, we didn't put those in there. Um, I think the Swedes did when they built this 100 years ago. So um, that's not all, all our bad. I mean, we like them. We love them. Actually, if they took them out, we'd be sad. But that's not why. And so people are, like, confused. Why do you dim the lights? Why are there red lights burning through like we're in purgatory or something? <laughs> Like, what, what? are you? why, why so much fear? Or so, I don't know what they were thinking or why they would even think that. We dim the light for this very reason, distraction. We don't want anyone. That's why we don't put spotlights on us. And again, this is not bad. But this is just why we do it. We don't put spotlights on any of the worship team because we don't, want you to, we, don't want, we don't think you should care about the worship team. They're here to usher you into the presence of God. It's God who's the center of your prayer life. It should be God who's in the middle. It should be God who you're focused on, not your prayers. Not people, but God. So when you bring people before God, you bring them before God. This is the purpose of prayer. And this is what Jesus is getting at. So these these Pharisees would stand up and make it all about them. Look at me. Look at my eloquent prayers on street corners and in synagogues. There are not many of us that would stand on the corner of Market and Castro standing up praying out loud. You'd probably be beat up. There's not many people that would do that. The point of hypocrisy is not that that's bad. Standing on a street corner and praying is not bad. Standing up in church is praying is not bad. The point of hypocrisy is that Jesus is addressing in Matthew 6 in giving. He starts with giving, he moves on to praying, and then he moves on to fasting. The reason why he does this is it's doing the right things, praying, giving, fasting, doing the right things, but for the wrong reason. I give so I could be seen. I pray so that people know that I'm spiritual, I fast so everybody knows I'm really connected to God and sad all the time. It's the reason. What is, what's behind those things? That's what Jesus is getting at here. Public pr- praying to be seen by people may not be one of our problems. However, that doesn't mean we're not hypocritical in prayer. Because you don't struggle with standing up in church and saying these long, eloquent prayers or standing on the street corner praying out loud doesn't mean you don't you're not a hypocrite when you pray. Doesn't mean that I'm not a hypocrite when I pray. What Jesus is saying about hypocrisy is this. Is when we pray and we don't concentrate and make God the center of our prayer. He's not the goal. He's not the telos. That's the, the purpose of prayer. When we make it about something else. When we it, prayer becomes hypocritical when we see God as a means to something. And for this, these Pharisees, these hypocrites, prayer was a means. God was a means. Spirituality was a means to what they really wanted. This is what they really wanted. They wanted public approval. They wanted power. They wanted career advancement. How do I get public approval, power, and career advancement? Public prayer. I'm in. I'll go right now. What do I have to do to get that? Do I have to pray to God? I have to show that I'm really, really spiritual here, then I then I move forward in my career, I'm in. If I do I show I'm really spiritual here, then I get public approval, then people will look at me and think I'm awesome. I'm in. I'll pray out loud. That is the point at the heart of hypocritical praying. God was a means. That's why they prayed. When we pray, when these when we pray, oftentimes we miss God completely. Let's be honest. When we pray, our minds wander. I have extreme ADD. I've never been diagnosed, but I, 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 I believe I do. I will be in prayer. And then, you know how, um, okay, I'll be in prayer or kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you call it prayer. I'll, I'll be there and like, I'm going to pray. How about that? That's what I do. I sit down and I'm going to pray now. And then I start looking around my office. I'm like, if I move that shelf there and I painted that wall. I would probably be able to pray better because I wouldn't be so distracted by that. Maybe I should do that. How would I do that? I, I would actually need a new bookshelf. Okay, so what bookshelf? I did see one online, and then I'm gone. I'm like, what was I doing? Why, why did I sit here? Oh, I was praying. Oh, my gosh. That, like an hour has gone by. That's, that's normally how when we sit down to pray. This is kind of how it happens. Maybe some of you guys are really, really good. You sit down, and you're disciplined, and that's awesome. But for a lot of us, this is how we try to pray, we pray and we miss God completely. When we pray, we make it not about our relationship with God, but the things that we might get from God if we pray rightly or when we concentrate on ourself. And this is personally where I'm totally busted. This is me. This is where most of us or some of us are totally hypocritical in prayer. Another way that we're hypocritical in prayer is by prayerlessness. Prayerlessness hypocritical praying happens in prayerlessness some of us let's just i'll be totally frank some of us in here do not pray at all at all you don't pray you believe in god but you don't pray and you know what you would be called a hypocrite a complete hypocrite and this is why i'm not trying to condemn you or make you feel bad i'm just telling it like it is you believe in god but you don't pray basically, prayerlessness is basically to you when, you, when you don't pray and you believe in God, it's basically functional deism. You believe in God. You believe that God has saved you, but you don't believe he, that he's personally connected to you. You believe that he remains at a far off distance. You know he exists, and he will bring the world to some expected end And that he does come into your life maybe at crucial points, like marriage, career choices. But other than that, he's totally absent from your life. That's deism. That's wrong. That is not the biblical God at all. That's hypocrisy. And here's why it's hypocrisy. It goes against everything that is true about God. God has a name. In Genesis chapter 4, in the line of Seth, it says that the people started to call out ...on the name of the Lord. You know what that means? First of all, they begin to pray very early on. And they be call, began to call it the name of the Lord, which means God can be known. He's a person. And Jesus even introduces the scandalous term, Father. Our Father. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly... Your father knows everything you need before you even ask him. He's your father. Look at that relationship there. Do you think that that God who is intimately, who wants to know you intimately is far off? It goes against everything God is. But it also goes against everything that you truly believe. If I was to press this a little bit, if I said, if you don't pray, why don't you pray? Well, I would say to you, you're you're, you're functionally practicing deism. And I would press it this way. You probably don't even believe that yourself. If I said to you, do you believe that time can save you? If enough time passes, time can save you. Do you believe that money can save you? Do you believe your talent can save you? Most of us, many of us would go, well, that's silly. Of course money can't save me. And time can, can't save me. And, and, and talent, my talent can't save me. I know that. If you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. That sentence really, really convicted me. Think about this. If you're not praying, what you're saying as you rush out the door is that the time I, I have to go to work, that's where I'll be able to focus in and that'll save me. My talent, I, I already know what I'm, I'm going into this staff meeting. I already know. I'm bringing my A game. I already know. I already know. I don't, God, I don't, I don't really need you on this one. Like, I have, I, I have my, my, my graduate degree, and I'm very trained at what I do. I don't really need you. I went to school for eight years for this, God. I don't know if you know. <laughs> this is, that's what we're saying. God, I don't need, I, I'm stopping by, by ritual and getting coffee. I don't really need you. Coffee and my charisma is all I need here. That's what we say when we don't pray. Now, we would never say that, but that's what we're, we, that's what we're actually saying. I, I don't really need God. I, I, I have coffee. I have my personality. That will get me through. I have my education that I spent eight years studying, more than that. I have everything I need. That's what we're saying when we're prayerless. When I rush out the door to handle my counseling appointments for the day or my staff meeting or... I just dive headlong into sermon prep without praying. You know, what, you, know what, you know what I'm saying? And this is where it just struck and convicted me. I'm saying that commentaries and what other people have said about this passage is really what I need. I'm saying my past studies of this subject or this specific text is really what I can really depend on. I'm saying that the right illustration can make a sermon great or I can pull all this off with the right amount of persona the right amount of cadence if I get up there and just say it like this everyone will believe me that's what I'm saying it's when you realize you can't do life on your own that prayer makes perfect sense when you realize how much in need you are sometimes it takes us to lose everything we realize okay maybe I'm really more needy than I thought but could you, could you be wise enough, people, to be needy in your success? Could you be wise enough to, to look at the success that God is bringing you and go, God, I'm, I'm in need of you. I'm in complete and utter need. I can't do this alone. My education didn't prepare me for this. I need wisdom. Not, not necessarily education I have, but I need wisdom. I need to know what to do and how to, how to take what I've learned and actually apply it in a good and right situation. I need wisdom from above. God, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me your, sometimes one of my friends who is going through an intense amount of suffering over the last several years, um, a lot of people said, you should read Job. So he read, he read Job. I mean, he's read it before, but he read it again. Um, and, he, and he called me and he was like, so my friend's been telling me to read, some people have been telling me to read Job. And you know what I found in Job? I'm like, what? I thought he was gonna give me some great insight. And he's like, nothing. Job's life falls apart. It sucks. He has sucky friends. The end. Like, God steps in at the end, and I was like, what are you, what are you complaining about? End of story. It's like, that's, that's not, there's nothing comforting about that, and he was just being raw. It was awesome. I loved it, and I was like, I was like, well, you should write a book about that. That'd be great. Like, Job sucks. I don't know, whatever, you know? Like, this is not, this is not, this does not bring comfort. You would not, when you're your life is falling apart, someone else's life's falling apart it doesn't really comfort you that much. I mean a little bit, you're like, well, at least it isn't that bad, but it's still bad. And then what my friend realized and what is true about Job is God never answers not one of Job's questions. Not one of them. The way that Job that that God answers Job is with his presence. He just shows up. See, there's a lot of time when we pray and we're like, God, I, I, need, I need this, I need that, I need this, and I'm not going to keep praying unless you give me that. What you're saying is God is just like, he's a, he's a means to an end. I'm using this time of prayer to meet all my needs. And when you don't show up the way I want you to show up, God, I'm out. That's, you're using God. A lot of times God doesn't answer all of our specific prayer requests. He never answers them in all the questions that you have. The way that God answers them is with his presence, and that is the point of prayer, the point of prayer and the purpose of prayer is God. It's not prayer. Actually, I was reading, we, we uh, recommended this book to you um, called A Praying Life. Um, did we, there's an announcement, it's downstairs, it's probably sold out by now, but anyway. Um, you should get this book, read it throughout the summer. It's so good. Um, in there, I don't, I don't have it on the screen or anything, but um, I just had it in my notes just in case it popped into my head. This is what, um, his name is Paul Miller what he wrote about, about the purpose of prayer. He said, oddly enough, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they are focusing on praying, not on God. Making prayer the center is like making conversation the center of a family mealtime. In prayer, this is so good, in prayer, focusing on the conversation is like trying to drive while looking at the windshield instead of looking through it. Isn't that great? It freezes us, making us unsure of where to go. Conversation is only the vehicle through which we experience one another. Consequently, prayer is not the center. Getting to know a person, God, is the center. See, this is the purpose of prayer. And I don't, I don't know, it's, it's not your lists that are the purpose of prayer. It's not your paradigm of prayer. It's God, the person, who is the purpose of prayer. Getting to know him, being intimate with him. And so when we say, I don't need you, it destroys prayer. Completely destroys it. Or when we go, we only need you to meet my needs. We destroy prayer. A needy heart is a praying heart. Dependency is the heart of prayer. E. Stanley Jones, a famous 20th, 20th century missionary to India, said this prayer is a time exposure to God. So I expose myself to God for an hour and a half or two hours a day, asking, Less and less for things and more and more for himself. For having him, I have everything. He gives me what I need for character, conduct, and creativeness. So I am rich with his riches, strong in his strength, pure in his purity, and able in his ability. This is the purpose and the point of prayer is the person of God. Next. Hypocritical praying happens in pretense. Hypocritical, hypocritical praying happens in pretense. See, the most important thing about prayer is that we, we must realize that we're approaching God. Okay? We are approaching God in prayer. You approach the living, risen God in prayer. And that's the only thing that matters. It would, if we would realize that we are approaching God, everything else would fall into place. Everything else would be right. Right? And since we are approaching God, we must realize that God knows everything. He knows everything when we pray. This is why Jesus says that when you approach God, know that as your father, he already knows what you need before you ask him. So he says, don't heap up empty, empty words when you approach him. Don't come with all of your repetitive words over and over and over again. He already knows. Don't think that your many words will get what you want out of God. That's not the heart of prayer. He says, when you approach God, know that he knows everything already. So you're not giving God new information when he prays. You're not like, God, um, I'll tell you something that you don't really know um, about me. That's not, you're not giving God new information when you pray. And since we're not, when we, when we pray, we're not, we're not praying to inform the Father on matters which he is ignorant. We're there to worship him. We're there to relate to him. We're there for intimacy. He knows our needs before we ask them. He knows our worries before we tell him. He knows our sins before we confess them. He knows our distractions before they distract us. Therefore, stop the pretense. Stop the pretending. Stop acting like you're hiding something from God. Would you stop? Stop approaching God like He doesn't know your sin. Stop approaching God like He doesn't know your desires, good or evil. Stop approaching God like he doesn't know every hope that you have. And stop trying to trick God, going, well, if I ask for this, he's going to give me the opposite. So if I ask for the opposite, I'll get what I really want. That happens. That actually happens. Some people didn't laugh. They're like, oh, my gosh, I'm busted. Like that, we think, okay, I know that, God, whenever I pray for patience, I get suffering. Okay, so that doesn't really work. So if I pray for the opposite, then, God, I don't want a girl right now. I just don't stop lying like why would you do that like God's like you got me I'm gonna give you one now we have to stop pretending he knows that you're ADD he knows you're messy he knows the real you he knows the real you so bring the real you to meet the real God and to be honest nothing will expose how self-absorbed anxious and frantic you are like prayer Try to sit down, give yourself a solid 15 minutes of complete silence with no distraction, phone off, not silenced, because it goes in your pocket, (laughs) off, everything closed, everything off, 15 minutes, and pray, and you will notice how self-absorbed, how anxious, and how frantic you really are. But God is not afraid of that. You might be afraid of that. Gotta. God is not. He already knows. Stop waiting to pray until you have time. You won't have time. You won't have time to pray. Can I just say that? Martin Luther said that he couldn't get by unless he woke up early and had three or four hours of prayer each morning. Martin Luther, okay? He was a very prolific writer if you did not know. if he, He's like, I can't, I can't get anything done unless I wake up early and spend three or four hours of prayer each morning. Stop waiting to pray until you're not frantic or you're not anxious. That won't happen either. The irony is it probably won't happen until you pray. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It's like Jesus is saying, this is the condition and the criteria for coming to me. You wanna come to me? This is who, who I want to come to me. Ready? Everyone who's overwhelmed with life and everyone who's weighed down with problems. Does anyone fit into that little category? You're like, I do. Well, come to him then. You're like, what I want? I don't want to come to him unless I'm not as anxious as I am right now because I don't know what I'll say to God. You've already said it in your heart because he can read your heart. Like, what, why the pretense? Why do you think that you can't approach God with your real self? It's like, just coming out like, these are my struggles, God. This is, this is just what I'm dealing with. And then when you do that, Do you believe that God's promises will be made real to you? Do you believe that God will meet you at that point? Jesus says that the condition, the criteria criteria for coming to him are overwhelmed with life, people that are weighed down with problems. It's when the demands of every day work and family and relationships and money and your future and your needs and your wants when they all claw at you that's the condition to go to Jesus. To go to him in prayer and act like that's not there would be to play act which is the definition of hypocrisy. That's hypocritical praying. And don't think, but I've gone to him so many times. I've gone to God so many times with this thing. He already knows it. I've I've gone to him so many times with this physical ailment that I have or these stress points that I have or my worries or my doubts. Why should I go to him again? Here's why. John Calvin wrote, Christians pray to alert themselves to seek him to exercise their faith by meditating upon his promises, unburdening unburdening their cares and lifting themselves into his bosom, and finally to testify that from him alone, all good for themselves and for others is hoped and asked. And so you, in intimacy, would crawl into the lap of God, that you would get close to his heart, close to his bosom, and then from there going, God, this is This is another thing. You you remember every single time my body hurts like this, you know, but I will recite your promises. Every single time I'm stressed out like this, every single time my marriage pushes this button in me, I'm I'm going to you, God. Because as I know, when I go to you, I, I remember your promises. I remember your nearness. I remember your strength. And when we go to him, we know that he is a relatable God. We know that Jesus can relate to us, it says in Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. So when we go to God, we're like, God, I'm dealing with this, you probably don't know anything about it. He does. But one who has in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knows exactly what you're going through. But not this temptation. It says it right, it says right here that every temptation. So if you've felt a temptation, Jesus understands it. Every temptation, yet without sin. Then let us, then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. It's not because of Christ. It's not a throne of judgment anymore. It's a throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. He's relatable. And Isaiah 53 says... That he has done more than sympathize with us in prayer. That he has actually bore our griefs. See, Jesus takes this a step further. Not only has he been tempted like you, but he actually bore the consequences for you falling into temptation. He actually bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. He's actually carried them himself. He was stricken and smitten by God. The separation that was due to us, he took. The Father forsook him so that he would never forsake us. That there's always intimate prayer to the Father because of what Christ has done. That's always available to you. The only way this is available is through a relationship with Jesus. He is our only mediator. There is no other mediator on heaven and earth. Only one, Jesus Christ. And so, let us approach God. May you approach God. I, I, I want to ask you, maybe you've, you've not prayed in a while. Your prayer life is just dead. Would you start it by just coming before God with all of your mess? Here I am. And then fall upon Jesus. If you're heavy laden, if you're worried, and you'll find rest in the person of Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are approachable, God, that you've made yourself known. We don't deserve it. It's just, it's amazing to us. It's amazing to me how wonderful you are, God. How good you are, how patient you are. And I pray, Lord, that, that um, everyone here, that people here, that they've never turned to you Before, they would turn to you now. They would trust in you. They would repent of their sins. They would come before you just as messy as they are and say, Lord, here's all my junk. Here's all my mess. And I want to turn to you. Lord, bring those people. Give people faith to trust in you. Even things that seem absurd, there's no way I could turn to God and him answer this prayer. There's no way I could turn to God and him actually remove this care, this burden, this wound, this past. You are able, God. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquity, Lord. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon you. And by your wounds, by your blood on the cross, we are healed. Lord, I pray that you would heal people today. That these sermons over the next couple of weeks would be catalytic and and, and, and just allowing our prayer life just to be so real and intimate with you. We throw aside, we repent of our hypocrisy. We repent of making prayer about us. Lord, we repent about, uh, uh, of making prayer uh, uh, about getting what we want. We repent of not praying. And we repent of just the, the, the facade, the, the masks, the hypocrisy that we put on. And we come to you as we are, knowing that you give us a new identity. In Jesus' name, amen.